Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Warning, content in this episode is graphic and may not be suitable for all listeners. It's a mixed emotion that, no, I'm here already. It's what you have decided for how many weeks. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi ta'ala wabarakatuh. Greetings of peace. This is... Abu Bakar Dihuan Basman. But you could call me Abs. But unfortunately, I don't have that Abs. Abs is from the Philippines. When we meet up, he's part of a group of young leaders visiting New Zealand. Now, the thing about Abs, well, it's impossible not to get caught up in his warm, friendly smile. He's confident and charismatic. And yes, he definitely has a sense of humour. Yeah, I'm, I'm just a happy, like, happy-go-lucky, go with the flow. Hi, I'm Sonia Yee, and you're listening to Only Human, a podcast about the moments where life takes a turn when you least expect it. And this is a story about a young man who puts his life on the line. Just a warning, some of the content in this episode may be unsuitable for younger listeners. Back to Abs. He's an IT graduate and comes from a middle-class family just on the outer edges of Marawi. In the province of Lanao del Sur. Officially, the Islamic city of Marawi, about 31 hours from Manila. Lanao del Sur and Marawi city is located in the central western part of Mindanao. So Mindanao is at the southern main island of the Philippines. It's the second largest island in the Philippines with the highest concentration of Muslims and a long history of separatist conflict. Now back home, Abs has been advocating for social change. He's been working towards disaster resilience and that's a reason he was brought to New Zealand. Now a few years ago, he'd just returned from a leadership exchange in the United States when a major event erupted in his hometown. It is known as the Marawi siege or Marawi crisis. A local terrorist or extremist group took over our hometown, Marawi City. Uh, this group plead allegiance to ISIS. In May 2017, clashes began during an offensive in Marawi and an attempt to capture the leader of a jihadist-affiliated group, Abu Sayyaf. It turned into an open-fire attack of the terrorists against armed forces. It was heavy duty. But for Abs, it started out like any other day. He was living with his parents at the time. It was 2 in the afternoon. I'm in our house in Cagayan de Oro. It's about a three-hour drive from Marawi City, where the siege was taking place. Terrorist members with heavy-caliber guns, grenades. The event escalates quickly. Abs said it erupted because a warrant was filed by the security group to the head of the terrorist extremists, and from there, it was full-on open fire. By the time Abs hears about the attack, he's in total disbelief. 
It's that kind of shock that leaves you speechless. He finds out via a Facebook post, and that makes it even more surreal. But suddenly, after hours of receiving some news and text message from friends that it is really happening, I'm afraid for my relatives, for my friends who are left there in Marawi City and being at the middle of the crisis, I'm afraid that it might spill over in Kagen de Oro City. It's not that far. Three-hour drive, the location of Marawi is in the center. In the evening, the president declared martial law in Mindanao and ordered airstrikes in my hometown. Eventually, I realized that, no, it's really happening. I didn't expect that this um, serious event would happen. And not in the very least because he just literally arrived off a plane from the States. On the first week of the siege, I was still thinking, what can I do? My former boss, he decided to volunteer because at that moment in Marawi City, the government offices shut down, public services shut down. Before long, Abs's former boss asks him to join the volunteers, but he turns it down. The offer is made again as more manpower and people are needed. The volunteer team needs to recruit people with technical know-how. Again, Abs turns down the offer. You see, Abs is only 21 years old at the time. He's a uni grad, and the thought of trying to help in a war-torn city with airstrikes happening overhead isn't exactly something he's prepared for. There's a snap of a finger. I guess third time's a charm. Abs bites a bullet. Came into my mind that, hey... You have to volunteer. I think this is your purpose. And suddenly, I don't know, uh, I prayed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what should I do? How can I help? It's the right thing for me to do. It's the thing that I could offer. I would volunteer. Abs is nervous and scared, but he's also excited. I was searching for my purpose because I wasn't able to, to pursue my dream to become a doctor. So I said, maybe there is something that is distinct for me. Something that I could really express myself and be happy about it. As a youngest volunteer among 60 others from his town, there seemed no other time like the present to throw himself into the deep end. Through his advocacy leadership training, you could say it was all preparation for a moment like this. Except... He had no idea it was going to happen so soon. And I was calculating even the risk that something might possibly happen to me. My mom I said, no, no, I'm afraid something might happen to you. I said, mom, even if you will allow me or not, I have already decided. I have realized that I think it is my calling, my destiny. I have a promise to myself and to the program that I joined in United States, that I am going to help the challenged communities. And it, it is the most challenged community as of the moment is my hometown, Marawi City. Um, I have relatives and friends who were suffering there, who have been trapped, who needs our help, who needs intervention from a person. Also, my brothers are saying, no, what are you thinking? It's almost a month into the siege. Before he knows it, Abs is packing his bags and leaving the safety of home 
and everything he's ever known. I said goodbye to my mom and mom don't be worried. Ina, um, alis na ako. I am going now and volunteering. I have Wag kang mag-alala kasi that this is the time that I'll be serving my community back. Safe ako doon. Ipagdasal mo na lang na maging safe Please ako pray doon. for our safety. I assure you that nothing bad will happen to me. Kahit anumang mangyari, isipin mo na lang na para to sa inyo at para to sa kanya. She was just silent but she, she doesn't have any choice because I am really ready and I'm really happy and excited. She just said, okay, mag-ingat ka, take care there, and always um, ensure to call us as much as possible. What are you doing? What's happening? I was worried and confident that nothing will happen, but I don't know. It's time to set off, but it isn't long before Abs encounters his first obstacle. Now, there are a number of security checkpoints along the way to his destination, and the car is stopped at the very first one. We presented our IDs as mandatory. The military read my name loudly, Abu Bakar. This name is in the list. The list of known terrorists. I was like nervous, like, oh my God, it's martial law. Oh my God, something might happen to me. Please, God, I hope that there's nothing bad. And then I was really scared. For what seems like an hour, the car is held up for at least 15 minutes at the checkpoint. The military said, oh, kapangalan lang. It's just a name. Okay, you can go now. A wave of relief washes over him, but that's nothing compared to water waves. And so we travelled and arrived into a city. It's the city between Marawi and um, Cagayan de Oro. So um, Iligan City is one hour and a half away from Marawi City. Going to the provincial capital to where the headquarters of uh, the rescue team, there's literally no people in the city. It's only us in the car. And we've been hearing exchange of gunfire, airstrikes. It's empty. There's an overwhelming feeling of isolation and a deafening kind of silence. The silence of a crying city, it's like really, really sad and it's very heavy. We arrived at the provincial capital, the operation centre and the headquarters of the rescue team. It's a city that's been devastated by war, where families are seeking refuge. I've seen family um, still evacuating, um, looking for a place which they could feel safe. At that time, I, they look very tired. It's a family, like the mother. It's like in a movie, in a dramatic movie that... I couldn't even believe at that time that it's really happening. And I've just suddenly realized that, oh my God, it's my first time to actually see family, a mother carrying his child with a bag full of clothes and then the father is carrying there are things, maybe they have walked for how many kilometers away from town to town to safety. I started getting emotional at the time. I was crying inside that I didn't still believe it's happening. I was thinking, yes, I did the right decision to volunteer. As we passed through the second checkpoint, I opened the window of the car 
I was hearing gunfires, machine guns, like da 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 like it's like exchange of gunfire. There is an airstrike. It's really really loud. I know that it's kilometers away from me, but still very loud. And my heart is pounding, and in my mind, you know the feeling of should I pursue? It's a mixed emotion. But of course, it's only just the beginning, and it's too late to turn back now. The entrance of Marawi City, I could see that the walls and glasses of some other buildings is shaking after an explosion. I was crying without voice. Ab's heart is racing. It's all too real. As he arrives at the entrance to Marawi City, it's completely unrecognizable. Where once it was bustling with people, traffic and vendors, now it's a place of horrors and the smell of rotten meat and burning flesh. It's an apocalypse happened, like the city were attacked by zombies. It's like a ghost town and it smells like combination of a burning house or garbage, like death. I don't know if a dead if, if it is a dead animal, a dead human that has not been retrieved. Like I've pictured again the videos that I've been seeing in the internet, what's happening in the Middle East, and I, I cannot believe at that time as well that it happened in my hometown. The volunteers have no equipment, no knowledge of what to do or how to handle a crisis like this. All they have is their white construction helmets and a white band around their arm that indicates that they're part of the volunteer rescue team. And the only thing they're running on is their instincts. So the rescue team were tagged by the media as the white helmets of Marawi. As promised... Abs is kept off the ground and set up at the central office. He manages a centralised database of names of missing, injured or those who have passed away. He's out of the firing line until he's asked to help put out a fire. And again, the overarching problem, none of the volunteers has any experience. There is a big fire in uh, Marawi City. It's one of the big fire at the back of the Amai Pakpak Medical Centre. When we arrive there, there is like a bullet. If it would impact, it will cause fire. In front of us, there are about 10 houses already burning. The entire team, we do not have experience in firefighting. There's only three of them with one fire truck. I don't know what to do. So I was just literally taking videos to document what they're doing. Abs finally manages to grab a hose. He untwists it and directs it at the fire, while others are helping too. Around him there are smoke fumes, an unbearable heat, and people are racing to grab their belongings from their homes as the flames spread quickly from one house to the next. And then there's literally um, stray bullets in our heads, and then there's an ongoing airstrike, and any time I could possibly die out of the collapsed building because we went into a house that we didn't notice that the top floor of that house we are there is already being burnt by fire. We managed to get out anytime we will possibly hit by a stray bullet. By night time the fire is still going. 
we take uh, about three hours or so. The entire afternoon, in the evening, there's still fire. So those are and a rare feeling for me that I have felt how how intense it is to become a firefighter. How hard your work is and how hard it is to manage the pressure, the pressure of focusing into things as well as protecting yourself. While Abs never wanted to be in the field, fighting that fire ignites something within him. It's a turning point. From there on in, he launches into field operation work. But the next mission couldn't be further from what he or any of the other volunteers has ever known. My next operation is retrieval. We're talking remains of bodies. We are going to retrieve 10 casualties, civilians, who were seen in the, the social media being shot in the head. There is nothing that could have prepared any of them to face such a daunting task, especially as part of a story that played out so visually and dramatically in a statement made by the terrorists and streamed over the internet. They were all wearing orange suit in the video and that they are the ones we are retrieving and worried. It's like a mixed emotion. I'm excited because I will be able to experience how to retrieve because it's my first time to be on the field retrieving dead bodies to help in that way. As we go into the area, they are literally bones. So they have died in the early stage of the crisis. They're already bones. But despite there being no fleshy remains on the skeletons and no sign of lava, the stench of death permeates the area. Then I have discovered the smell of a dead body, of a dead human. There's no flesh, but still it still stinks. It's like a rotten meat with worms in it being exposed to the sun. Not even a scarf or towel wrapped around his face or the thin mask covering his nose protects from the stinging smell which lingers in his clothes and hair long after the team leaves. But the scent, it's painful to the heart and lungs. It's that strong. You almost cannot breathe. Even if you cover how many layers of face mask, because we do not have the industrial one. For the trauma to the bodies is evident in the skeleton remains. It paints a vivid picture of what the men experienced. We saw the head is... Um, being shot, there's a hole in the skull. Some other bodies, they do not have their arms, they do not have their feet. We consider every part as a different individual. So when it is scattered, we consider it as an individual. When it is together, like they're connected, just get it, put it into the body bag. At that time, it's very emotional. Among the scattered bodies and remains are also the clothing worn by the men who were held captive, along with their ID tucked into their pockets. If their family is looking after them, there is a post-mortem area that they could do DNA and finally their family would know that their relatives who have been away from them for many times, they will know that it's a casualty of the siege. Abs is filled with mixed emotions. He went to Marawi City to help, 
He never expected to deal with the aftermath of war and the remains of the dead. He's filled with an overwhelming sense of grief. It was raining at the time, and every time I pick a skeleton, deep inside I was really crying, thinking that it might be my relative or my friend who didn't manage to leave Marawi, or if they're the relative of that person is really worried that person might have children who is longing for a father or a mother. This is the price of volunteering. I will be able to help families of those victims. They will have that chance to be with their family again. Without a feedback process or any other practice put in place after each operation, the volunteers come together to enjoy good food. Um, the thing that would make us happy every operation that we do is we cook duck and we share it to the team. That's our mechanism to debrief ourselves, to control our emotion, to process the things that had happened, to share something special like what have you re realized, you know, new things Race forward. Sitting in an inner city Wellington Park is a far cry from things back home, and the Marawi siege left a big impact on Abs's future outlook. So, what did he take away from the experience, and how did it change him? I felt be more strong, to take more courage because I know I can do something even more. I was discovering the things that I could possibly do beyond what I am used to doing. So I've been discovering that, oh, I can be this brave. I can take risks this big. I have discovered that I am willing to sacrifice my life. I was really ready that any time the time, the worst thing that could happen is that I would die. And I said to myself, I will be really happy if that would happen because it's my destiny and I have served my purpose. It's been three years since the conflict. Abse's Marawi city is still in recovery. Around 300,000 people have been displaced by what became known as the Five-Month War, one that left years' worth of damage in its wake and around 1,000 casualties. During the battle in Marawi, key structures were destroyed or damaged, including the Grand Mosque, where many of those forced out of their homes used to worship. The rehabilitation process of the government is too slow. There are still people who are living in a temporary shelter. A temporary shelter is five by five, very small, and ten members in the household, and then they will fit into that very tiny place. They will sleep in the floor. They have a very um, thin uh, mattresses. You know, Marawi is cold. There's no water there. Sometimes there will be water in the faucet. Most of the time there's none. So we literally just get water from the water catchment. We have a water tank. Then for me, it will sustain for like a week, weeks or days. But how about those family? Each house would have water catchment, but it's still not enough. It's very hard to, to find job there in Marawi because literally everyone 
is just starting to put up business, to recover from their great loss in the city center. Their business were totally uh, turned into rubble. Today, Abs is back in the Philippines, and there's no turning back. He never returned to live with his parents after the siege, but chose to stay in Marawi City where the war broke out. He lives alongside those families taking refuge in those same temporary shelters. He's committed to a lifelong path of advocacy for his community. So, living there in our current situation, it's very hard. I know that I can do something. Since I've already started, I would like to take this journey until we moved in a positive way, until they recovered. Because every day I cannot just stand thinking that there are children who are hungry because their mother or father do not have enough income. There are children who, who are being hospitalized because of the water or the food. I believe that a person can make a difference. We all can make a difference. We just need to believe in ourselves that we can do something, that there is nothing impossible. That was Abu Bakar, or Abs, and you're listening to RNZ podcast, Only Human. And I'm your host and producer, Sonia Yee. If you'd like to find out more, head to the RNZ podcast page or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.